What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I am here with Lori, and we are discussing Legacies, Season 3, Episode 3. It is Salvatore the Musical. Girl, 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 girl. All I have to say is that I had so much fun and when they actually got to the actual musical i was a little mad because i wanted more of the musical it was so good oh my god i cannot remember the last time i laughed so hard at a musical (laughs) oh my god this was so hilarious it was so bad and it was so good at the same time it was just it was so many things I give them credit for getting the entire eight season storyline of the Vampire Diaries within 20 minutes in the episode. Girl. (laughs) Okay. So, okay. So let's start talking about this. So, okay. So at the end of the last episode, there was a scene between Hope and Landon where they kind of had a couple's fight and it was because Landon felt like Hope does not know how to deal with the fact that he's human again. So at the beginning of this episode, Hope is having, it looks like a therapy session with a person that we had never seen before. And he was saying that he was the guidance counselor for the school. And when Hope was like, you know, she started, I guess, kind of expressing doubts about who he was something started happening and it was like you could almost see her facial expression change so anyway we find out in the episode that this guy is a monster he is a sprite and he has the ability to change people's perceptions so what he was doing to the students of the school was He was making them think, oh, not, excuse me, not just the students. He did it to Alaric too. He was making them think that they had known him all of their lives. And that's literally what he was saying. So part of his agenda is that when Landon goes to see him, he has a talk with Landon about, okay, well, what should your options be now that you are human and no longer supernatural? So Apparently there's this accreditation issue going on with the school board where the Salvatore school needs to incorporate some arts into their school curriculum, which is so funny to me because I work for fine arts for a school system. So this is what they need to do. And to satisfy this requirement, this, this guidance counselor, uh, Dr. Goodfellow, He suggests to Landon that he create a musical for the school. And so Landon comes up with the idea of Salvatore the musical. And it's supposed to be based on the founding fathers of the school or the founding, you know, the the town of Mystic Falls and the events that have happened there. And one of the things that Landon wants to do is he wants to incorporate Hope and Klaus Michelson into the story. And of course, Hope is like, no, these are people that I knew, this is my life, or this was my life. You are not incorporating this into your musical. So they have a big fight. We find out later on that this professor, one of his things is that he he tears people apart. 
that's one of his goals. And then he has another goal, which we can never find out because as soon as MG starts figuring things out, of course, when he leaves the room, he forgets. So it's this big recurring theme throughout the episode. So anyway, this leads to Landon posting about the musical, trying to come up with a script and auditioning people for this musical. So let's start talking about this musical and these students and these auditions and everything. First of all, why was Caroline Forbes Salvatore not in this episode to direct this musical? This is right up her alley. Well, let's take it back a step. <laughs> if Caroline is the Caroline that we know, the school would never have had an accreditation problem to begin with. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But again, that's that's moot point. Caroline has not been around for the last three years. We know this. So that's probably why they have an accreditation issue. Not to mention the fact that Alaric had been voted out as headmaster. The person who Caroline selected to become headmaster was actually not the actual headmaster, but was in fact Clark Landon's Malavore brother disguised as the new headmaster. And now Alaric is back. So they, so yeah, accreditation has probably not been on the forefront of their minds, right. especially while yeah. they've had, you know, um, the headmaster's daughter um, dipping into black magic, killing students, trying to merge with her sister and all of these other monsters that have been coming out of the Malivore pit. They've been a little busy. Accreditation has probably, yeah. you know, not been on the forefront of their minds. Well, the, the thing is, is that the school as a whole is just interesting. And the fact that they have Robin Goodfellow, who is also known as Puck, shows up. OK, mm -hmm. I found that very interesting because even though Puck, Robin Goodfellow, isn't normally associated with um, Arthurian legends, it is sort of connected a little bit through Shakespeare in England. So I thought that was very interesting because this is the second monster that we've gotten that really isn't a bad monster because mm -hmm. Nimue wasn't evil. She was just trying to get something done, but she didn't do have any malicious intent. The, the, the Green Knight was the one that was the aggressor. Right. Now, in the second episode, we really didn't have a villain, but in this episode, the third one, we've got Robin Goodfellow, Puck. And as soon as they said his name, I was like, oh, this is going to be some of those trading back and forth, weird magic things. But I think that for this episode, it was really good that we saw a little bit of cleaning up from the previous two episodes, getting things sort of back on track. And basically, he said that I break things apart. And at the end, we find out what he does. And it fixed a lot of things. It did didn't bring Raphael back but that's a whole other conversation we did get Josie back in this episode though so that's good that was a so, quick visit to mom <laughs> right but going back to the musical so Landon begins to have auditions and it's so funny watching these students walk around talking about auditioning because the first audition we see is Caleb Okay, so we know Chris Lee can sing. I think we discussed this before. 
we know that he can sing. <laughs> However, <laughs> in this audition, and I'm sure he did this on purpose, he, he kind of had to overdo it to kind of, you know, uh, drive home the fact that he was made for the part that he's auditioning for, which ironically enough was Damon. <sighs> when I tell you during this process, I had to, watching this episode, I had to pause several times just to kind of collect myself because I was laughing so much watching this thing that I just couldn't stop. And I was like, okay, wait, I have to stop because other than that, I had to keep rewinding to make sure, you know, to try and see what I missed while I was laughing. It was just. See, I couldn't do that. I was on the spin bike, so I literally couldn't stop. So sorry for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on the bike. I'm huffing and puffing. Going, oh, and I'm just laughing my ass off. I, I thought that everything about the musical was brilliant, but this part is so much fun because the joke is is that everyone's reading for David and no one reads for Stefan until Jed and then Jed. Landon says let me guess you're reading for David and he's like tell the truth I like Stefan better and Landon was like me too I started laughing we were like yes we found our people so it, it just and then it, and then Lizzie walks in and she's like I'm going to have the part of Caroline and Landon, <laughs> you have to audition. She says, you really going to tell me that some, anyone else knows my mother better than me. He's like, yeah, point taken. He was going to make her audition for her own mother. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and, but you I'm have so, to think about it. It's weird. This, this stuff is weird for Landon because he, he was part of Mystic Falls. We saw that in the originals because he used to work at the grill, but he wasn't as familiar with the characters the way that we're familiar with the characters. Right, right. So it's funny because while he's trying to write the script for this play, it's so funny because he's in there and he's reading the history of Mystic Falls. Like there's actually a book in the library that says the history of Mystic Falls. He says, everything is so weird. Bonnie keeps disappearing and blah, blah, blah. He was like, and Dr. Saucman used to actually teach Caroline, which is really weird. And I just, like, again, had to pause, fell out laughing because I was like, oh, Landon, baby, if you only knew. He's, he's going through the book, goes, there's travelers, there's this, there's that. And I, and that's when it started. Because from that moment till the end of the episode, they shoved all eight years in it. All eight <laughs> years. So first of all, let me say this. Ben Levin, who plays Jed, and Chris Lee, who plays Caleb. If they ever do a reboot of the Vampire Diaries, those two have to play Damon and Stefan because they, they were perfect. They were so perfect that there's a and point later on where they like him. Yes, they did. But the thing is that Chris Lee, who, you know, I adore. Yes. Chris Lee, when he put on that jacket and when they're, they, they have, okay, jumping slightly, they have a musical number called Hello Brother, which by itself is just That terrible. was the best. Oh my God, that was the best, best. They got, they got the whole relationship in a song. Oh my God, that was and, so and the, amazing. And the way they looked at each other and the way that they were moving. Anyway, anyway, so what it is is that 
when 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 Caleb comes in and they're starting to and and I think they wore the same clothing. <laughs> I think they dug out the wardrobe because they're wearing the same. Uh, Josie's wearing Elena's clothes. From oh my gosh, she was a perfect Elena. It was what? she was perfect. But okay, we'll get to her later because I do have something to say about her. But when what? when when Caleb walked in and said. Hello, brother. I lost oh my, my shit. He had on the jacket. If you paid attention, he had the boots on. Okay. <laughs> they literally had their costumes on. I paused it. I'm looking at everything. They, he came in. And you know how David has that sword. You can't see me, guys, because I'm, I'm video. Hi, you know he does sort of the walking in, you know, like yes, this yes, sort of thing. Damon strut of his, yes. Yes, he was yes, doing he the strut. I'm telling you, they, they had those care. They had them down pat. It was so scary. It's almost like the essence of Ian Summerhalder and Paul Wesley jumping <laughs> to those bodies, <laughs> bodies. like exaggerated versions of themselves. It was really, really weird. It was funny to watch, but it was oh so good. Like that Hello Brother song was everything. Oh my God, it was so, because because, because what happened is that Hanigo had sent me the 30 second trailer and I thought, I got all confused when the episode was going to be and I watched it and they show when he walks in and he goes, hello, Stefan. And then he starts singing and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And then when I watched it, I'm sitting there going, oh, see, they, they need to do this like every other, every year. They need to just do it. They have to because he comes in and you've got the light, like they're in the crypt or something. It's on Stefan, sort of like dark. And he walks in the door. Hello, brother. I was like, it was, oh it was amazing. Oh my God, it was so amazing. good. But the funny thing is, so we talked about this um, when we were when we were discussing WandaVision a couple of episodes ago. And I talked about how I have a problem watching scenes or watching anything that gives me secondhand embarrassment. It's just very mm-hmm. cringy to me. And part, part of the thing where I say this, this episode was so bad was because I had the secondhand embarrassment because watching this musical felt like I was watching someone talk about the lives of people I actually know. And that shit was yes. so hilarious yes. to me. Yes. Because yes. I spent eight years with these characters, like from the beginning. Right, right. And, and I, you know, and like I said, I recently did a rewatch of Vampire Diaries. So I rewatched it over the summer. So it's like these stories are kind of sort of still fresh in my mind. And then to see these, these children come on <laughs> and play these characters. It was just, it was just so weird. I was like, it, it, it was, it was almost like if I was watching my children play versions of my friends and me growing up. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm, how it, mm-hmm. that's how it felt. But it right, was right. Good that it felt that way too. When I say this show was so bad, I don't mean bad in a bad way. I mean it in a cool way. Like it was just, it, it's just one of those things where it's like you're cringy because you know the lives of these characters and and again i think it was it was i'm sure it was probably weird for lizzie and josie to be in this musical because this this is literally talking about their mother like and her friends 
their her best friends, people that they know, which, okay, brings me to my whole thing with Josie. So when they're doing the rehearsal, Josie comes up to Landon and she's like, I don't understand Elena. First, made me laugh because everybody's like, they don't understand Elena. Anybody who's ever watched the show, they're like, I don't understand her. What the hell is her problem? But the thing is, this is literally your mother's, one of your mother's best friends. They, we've heard them refer to Bonnie as Aunt Bonnie before. Why is she, why is she Elena and not Aunt Elena? Because Elena is up, she's she's awakened from the Sleeping Beauty curse at this point. Right. She and Damon are living in Mystic Falls. She is a doctor in Mystic Falls. Supposedly one of her, well, I don't know if they're, you know, I, I know that in an episode where they were had like an alternate timeline, Damon and Elena's child was there somewhere in the in Mystic Falls. I don't think at the Salvatore School, but still, you would think that this is somebody she's intimately familiar with. This is her, this was well, her mother's best friend. Well, this goes back to what we were talking about before. I believe, and again, I need to go back and double check because I've got seven episodes left in season eight and I hate watching them because I know it's going to end. I still think, and I I don't know if I'm wrong, I still think that Damon and Elena made a choice to separate themselves from everyone else because they were no longer part of the supernatural world. So if I, if you look at it, Elena, Caroline, Bonnie, when Elena disappeared and went into the sleep thing, it was Bonnie and it was Caroline. And I've always seen it that Bonnie and Caroline were closer friends than they were each individually with Elena. I mean, they were three best friends, but I want to well, argue that, that Caroline and Bonnie got closer after. So that's why she's Aunt Bonnie. Um, I think they did and they didn't. It's, it's kind of like it all. It's kind of that way whenever you have like a close friendship of three friends. It's like the people in that friendship are not always going to consider the same person as their best friend, if I can put it like that. Like when you yeah. think about, and I'm, I'm going to talk about Harry, Harry, Ron, and Hermione from Harry okay. Potter. Okay. Harry has always considered Ron his best friend. Mm-hmm. Ron considers Harry his best friend. Right. Hermione considers Harry her best friend. Right, right. But neither one of them, you know, like if they have to choose like, okay, which one are you closer to? Harry and Ron would most likely say themselves. Right. This and is then Hermione would say that Harry is her best friend. I think in the same thing with Vampire Diaries, and we saw this um, a few episodes. Uh, this, this has been explained in a couple of episodes over the eight seasons. Elena always considered Bonnie her best friend. And I think Bonnie considered Elena her best friend. Caroline right. has always considered Bonnie her best friend. Best friend, right, right, like, exactly. Like, yeah, they were a best friend group. They were all very close. But Caroline, you have to remember, before she was turned to a vampire, Caroline was always very competitive with Elena. Even though they were great friends, they were best friends, there was always a kind of competition with her. And she always felt closer to Bonnie. I think? Yeah. <laughs> she did. And, and, yeah, I, and I think the reason that was with Caroline is that Bonnie kind of made a little bit more sense because even though Caroline 
was pretty and all that. She was a misfit and Bonnie was a little bit of a misfit. Whereas Elena seemed to have it kind of all together before her parents died. That's the way I always took it. Well, it, it's also kind of the way that they were presented. So Elena had this, um, if you will call it, she had the kind of white picket life. She had yeah. the parents, right. she had the brother, right. she right. had, you know, both of her parents were fairly successful for the town. They were both founder, you know, the, she was part of a, a founding family, you know, her, uh, you know, cheerleader, all, you know, she basically had that American pie type life. And then you look at Caroline and you look at Bonnie, whose home lives weren't necessarily that great. You know, you have Bonnie, whose father, for the most part, was always gone. You know, he, right. was, he was traveling with his work for much of the first few seasons. And that's why she was always with her grams, who was considered to be, you know, quote unquote crazy by the local town people because of the subject that she taught you know she taught occult studies and people looked at her weird and of course there was there were the rumors that she was a witch even though those rumors were never you know it was just one of those things you know when you find an old lady who's weird they used to say oh she was a drunk that sort of thing Bonnie's mother took off when she was younger you know so she had that you have Caroline who is the popular daughter of the local sheriff who she does not get along with her father left her mother for another man and she didn't really have a great relation well she didn't have a close relationship with her dad but she was she was the kid that used her parents kind of against each other you know remember in the first few seasons she never never let go of an opportunity to you know kind of dig it in Elizabeth in Liz's face that her dad was with a man instead of with her so you you have those kind of dynamics so Elena was always proje projected as to be the you know the the one with the quote-unquote perfect life and I think Caroline was a little jealous of that but then also you know Elena had the little childhood crush that turned into the teenage boyfriend and then when Elena's life fell apart everything else kind of fell apart and then Caroline just kind of not in a bad way but you know Caroline was just kind of like oh she's not at the top of the you know she's not at the top of the totem pole anymore let me try to work my way up and it wasn't something that she was doing in a hostile way or in a mean way she was a teenage girl that's kind of the thing that, that that's just the kind of things they do you know when the popular girl is not as popular or is, is experiencing some difficulty, that's when you try to, you know, take their shine or that's when you try to move into their position. That's just kind of what they did. And it was just yeah. kind of that back and forth, back and forth. But I don't think there was ever a point where they didn't care about each other and they didn't love each right. other. And right. so right. that makes it seem weird to me that Elena and Caroline wouldn't still be close. But then again, if Caroline is never in the States because she's always traveling, trying to find a uh, cure for the Gemini merge then yeah maybe they've drift, drifted apart a little bit you know but also I think yeah. maybe the kids probably do remember Bonnie more from their childhood because like they said they created the ascendant with Bonnie you know um and it's, Bonnie Bonnie's a Bennett witch so it, who would give them magical training but a witch right yeah. you know so and, yeah and yeah. Uh, and so it was just I, I just think um 
and, and Caroline, to be honest with you, sorry to interrupt. Caroline got closer, but let's say that Caroline and Damon were never the best of friends. This is true. This so is true. I can see that kind of distance a little bit on that matter because Bonnie and Damon became best friends and then Damon screwed it up. Okay. And then him with Enzo. But see, the thing is, is that I think that when it all came full circle, Caroline is naturally going to be closer to Bonnie because of what they went through after Elena went to sleep. And, and I, think I think also, be, I, and then I think also maybe because of what happened after Elena woke up. I mean, if you think about well, it, the curse was broken. Elena woke up. She was able to get her happily ever after with Damon. But of course, Stefan died and sacrificed himself to make mm. all of that happen. And then, of course, when Stefan was had his uh, humanity turned off, what did he do? He killed Enzo. So yeah, I guess in, I guess it would kind of draw a little bit of a divide between yeah. Like, See that never blame. Yeah, you can't really no. blame Elena for any of that. No. But at the same time, no. you can't really sit there Not and blame watch her. her be happy. Right. With yeah. the architect of a lot of misery for both right. of those two. Think about it. Yeah. And, and see, the thing is, is that I the one thing that I always hated is that they didn't have to kill Enzo. They could have let Bonnie have Enzo. Girl. I'm just saying. Girl. <laughs> Look, we need to dial it back to the show because if we started down this track. Because, <laughs> girl. Anyway, so going back. So I guess we, we said all of that to say, okay, I guess that would be why Josie is not really familiar with Elena. So anyway, but she had to have known a little bit about Elena because when I say she got she got her down perfectly. <laughs> I mean, she had the clothes, she had the hair, she kind of had the, you know, her little sing her her little sing songy attitude and the songs and it was just again, I felt like I was I really was watching the Vampire Diaries because you guys really got them in this in this little short. She had the necklace even. She had she had the necklace on. Did she? Yes, she did. I didn't pay attention. You, you know the red costume that she wore, the shirt, the red the red top, yeah, the little white. She and that she had a necklace on. Oh, okay. I'm telling you, I think they pulled the costumes out of storage. Now, the only one that I highly debate that wasn't actually a Caroline-inspired or Caroline-wore dress was what Lizzie wore to portray Caroline. That was a little too kiddish for what Caroline would have worn, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. But um, you see what I'm saying? It's a li- it was a little, not quite Caroline. But see, the thing is, they did my, my thing's loading, so I can't I can't watch anything. It's loading right now. But my thing is is that it was so well done. I mean, the hair, like you said, and the way that she she moved. I mean, they really must have grabbed those kids, sat them down, and said, Okay, you're gonna watch these four episodes today, these four episodes tomorrow, and then we're gonna let you just collab because these kids, when I say they channeled, they channeled. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was so, and, and I think that the, I think the best thing about it 
it was a very good homage and it was and this is going to sound funny it was respectful yes it was it was very much a tribute to the show that kind of brought them where they are you know um because legacies wouldn't be here without vampire diaries and as they mentioned in the musical you know one of the things is that Klaus's reputation is not the best and there are several books in the Salvatore library that talk about his history and all of the bad things that he has done we we've known that from the very first season of Legacies so the little part that was added in the musical about Klaus giving the donation to start up the Salvatore school. I thought that was a really sweet touch because that kind that does kind of give people a different insight to Klaus. And I think that makes it a little bit easier for Hope as well, because as we saw in the episode, you know, one of the kids found the book that talked about Klaus's history. And of course, remember when Hope first started going to the school, nobody knew her as Hope Michelson. They didn't know she was Klaus's daughter for a long time. Yeah, she went by a totally different last name. She went She went by um, Haley's last name, Marshall. Right, that's right, she did. So, you know, for, for there to be that little bit of positivity for Hope, I thought that was a very sweet touch for them to add. And of course, because Landon wrote the script or he wrote the play, he would put something in there favorable for... Um, Klaus, or I don't even know if he was the one that did it or if it was Robin Goodfellow who incorporated that in. And, you know, he kind of made it seem like he knew Klaus, you know, like he- Yeah, had- which I thought was interesting. I thought was interesting. Um, because of the thing is, is that it seemed like Robin Goodfellow, what he was trying to do was trying to really uh, make people- kind of appreciate some of the lesser people uh in the quote-unquote story and he really wasn't pushy because he says at one point that I actually met him a long time ago and I was like okay maybe he's just telling that as a story but then I was like you know what he probably over the travels might have actually met Klaus and he actually probably had some interaction because as old as Klaus was the fact that he would meet Puck is not within not is within the realm of believe of being believable. Mm-hmm. I mean, Klaus was how many thousands of years old? <laughs> you know, so a lot. A lot. So but, I I see that. Yeah, but but like you said, I like the fact that this episode did kind of give voice to the um you know, to the characters that are struggling. You kind of saw Josie come out of her shell a little bit, you know, with everything that happened last season with Dark Josie and her just coming back from taking some time away to kind of deal with the ramifications of what she had done. Um, She seemed more like the happy-go-lucky Josie that we've seen in earlier episodes of the Mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. And then also with... With hope, you know, towards the end, we see her kind of 
given, you know, once she sees the scene about Klaus and, you know, listens to the crowd's reaction to the fact that he gave the donation, they're like, oh my God, I didn't know that, blah, blah, blah. And those things. And it just kind of broke her out of her own shell. And she stepped in to play Elena at the end because Goodfellow, I think that was kind of his goal. Like he said, he always does things in two parts. He tears people apart and then he brings them back together. So this was kind of his way of bringing her and Landon back together. And unfortunately, he had to disable Josie in order to do that. He broke her arm or we think he broke her arm. But, you know, just that led to her having a resolution herself. So that was that was also planned, too. Yeah. Yeah. But but you know what? I'm going to be honest. When, when that girl walked in, I think her name is Jade, when she walked in to start taking care of her arm, I literally had to go like, who the hell is this character? Because I completely forgot about her being one of the um, expelled students world. in the prison world. Right. So yeah. It took me a minute to recognize her too. I was like, oh yeah, because it didn't click until she said, I'm, I'm older than you. And I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah. She, yeah. Said, she said, I'm older than you. And I used to babysit you. And then Josie says something about, well, um, so, says something about kissing her because the last time I did, you know, I was kind of under the influence of dark magic. I was like, oh, that's who she is. Yeah, I'm not crazy about that character. I, well, I honestly think that they should have left them all in the prison world, but that's my own personal opinion. Well, supposedly she's leaving, so I don't think we'll have to deal with her character. Like you said, I think it was just kind of a closure thing for Josie. Um, yeah. Just a, one other thing that she has to do on her way to healing from everything that she did. Um, one thing that I did absolutely love and that did kind of bring me to tears about this episode, Lizzie received a letter from her mother and then the letter was read in Caroline's voice. Y'all could have put her in a damn show. No. <laughs> I was like, well, we're getting a voiceover. I, I'm okay with that for now. But it I, it really made me tear up to hear her voice because I was like, this is what we've been wanting. We've been wanting Caroline as part of the show. I so listened I, so hard. And when I realized it was her, I got so happy. I was yeah. like, yes. I thought that was a really, really sweet touch. Um, I love that. I thought that was perfect. And she said just the right thing. Yes. You know, just get, see, the thing is, Caroline is such a good mom. Just, you know. She is, and she and she had to go through a lot, and she went through a lot to get there. But you know, when Lizzie was expressing her doubts about being able to play Caroline, she was like, "You know, I can never, uh, I I can never live up to our perfect mother." I was like, "Do they really not know who Caroline is? Like, Caroline is by no stretch of the imagination perfect. She never has been." But that was part of one of the good things about her character because when we were first introduced to her character in the vampire diaries she was this kind of not necessarily ditzy but she was very selfish she was very self-absorbed she was very neurotic to a point and when she was uh when she transitioned into being a vampire of course that was kind of amplified and she had to go through a lot of learning and a lot of maturity and a lot of mistakes and a lot of forgiveness to get to be the Caroline that we got in the later seasons. And the fact that she wrote that note to Lizzie to kind of say that to her and to say, look, you're not broken. 
you just have a different way of, of, of doing things and looking at things. And once you learn how to do that, it's going to be great. But I mean, just Caroline got, she gave her daughter something that she didn't have at her age, because at that age, she and Liz were not great. They didn't have a great relationship. You know, that great relationship between them didn't really develop until Liz found out that Caroline was a vampire. And then at that point, it's kind of like, how are you as a mother so disconnected that you didn't even realize your daughter had died and become something else? And I think at that point, that's when Liz realized, I need to be a better parent. I need to be a better parent. And, and we saw that relationship develop. But at, again, at this time, Caroline was already out of high school by the time this happened. Yeah, the, the, the best example is, is when the, the, they had taken over the town and they're having the picnic on the city outskirts and mom's on one side. And she's like, oh, I love that scene. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that was, that's like the perfect thing for that relationship. Yeah. But Carol, Caroline, they did say, and it was actually true to a certain extent, is that she says the moment our mom became a vampire, a lot of things came into light, and it did. Uh, and it, it, even Klaus said it at one point. Of all the people that the, that became a vampire, Caroline was probably the one that actually needed it the most because it actually fixed her. You know, I mean, it took a minute, but it pretty much she never had the crazy thirst. I mean, yes, she turned up her emotions, but her mom died, so you can't really falter for that. But my thing is, is that it it made her like an uber vampire that was able to deal with things and she was able to deal with things i mean even with stuff with like bonnie's magic coming out even if she was still young she was able to say okay we need to do this we need to do that you know it worked on her but the the girls okay the girls singing that voice that came out of liz Mm. Uh, I wasn't expecting that voice coming out of that child. I was not either. Like that, that was a deep child, voice. That very husky voice. I was like, "Wait, what?" It's like Shania Twain up in here. <laughs> I mean, it shocked me because we're used to Caroline singing. We know Caroline sounds a certain way. Mm-hmm. So when no, don't get me wrong, guys. I loved her voice. I thought she had a wonderful singing voice, but I was not expecting that out of that little girl. Right. <laughs> Right. It, 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 when she opened her voice, I was like, wait, what? Like, it's just so, it, it always throws me when you hear that kind of huskiness and maturity mm-hmm. of a voice right. from a younger person. Yes. It's just so <laughs> weird. But they all sounded, they all sounded really good. But I also like the fact that we know that they can sing. Right. Yep. But they weren't all singing like perfect. They weren't singing in this episode like superstars, you know? And mm-hmm. I like that. It's like you can hear a little bit of shakiness of voice. You can hear a little bit of, of unsurety. And it's kind of like they were reflecting that as what, as kind of like who their characters would be. Right. And I liked it because it made it feel more authentic. And, and the opening number. Welcome to Mystic Falls. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. They even have pyrotechnics. I mean, they, and the girl, they, okay, guys, picture this. You know, any musical, they're spinning and they're dancing and they're leaping and jumping. And they have this girl come out and she's dressed as a police officer and she does this little spin thing. And they do the whole, you know, going to one side, there's at the end, they got this final character. Oh my God, it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. This was a fun episode. 
It was so much fun. It was so much fun. But the the songs, because I, I watch with closed caption because I'm old, and, <laughs> and I, I I love watching it with closed caption because you could actually see you know what they're talking about. They're talking about animal tax might be on the rise. Don't ask any questions. It'll be all right. Opposite are just dying because that's basically first season. And then, and then the other thing about this show or about this episode is aside from the musical, you have MG who oh, is gosh. trying to figure out oh, who the monster is. And literally, Goodfellow is telling him, it's me. What? I'm the monster. I'm a sprite. I mean, he tells him everything. He was like, but yeah, I'm telling you this because you're not going to remember as soon as you walk out the door. And MG keeps coming back in with like oh, clothes and it's posted. <laughs> hilarious thing because he's trying so hard to be the one to solve this and it's like he just keeps telling you who he is you just keep forgetting and then when he finally remembers at the end he tries to handcuff them together so that he's like yeah so you can't leave I can't leave I'm gonna remember and then of course that doesn't work and then you know he also leaves MG with kind of like some some great advice and just basically like, look, you you're a good person. You have a good heart, you know. And he's like, you know, I, I I'm just coming to fix things. It this is how you know. He says some funny guy with a scar and you know and a and a uh, what do you say a black oil pit told mm-hmm. me to come distract you guys for a while. And it was because you know, and we see this earlier on in the episode. Alyssa reaches out to MG yeah. and she tries to give him a warning about the monster. Oh, why MG is so hell bent on figuring out who this monster is because Alyssa, you know, gives him this, this little sob story about, you know, this is what the, the necromancer is going to do. But I guess, you know, I, I, I can't keep myself from caring about you. And of course, again, we've said this before. I need MG to stop focusing on these girls that don't give a damn about him because that's he always gets into trouble. So of course, he figures out what's going on after Goodfellow fellow tells him who sent him to the school to kind of keep them distracted. And that's why the whole musical took place was to keep them distracted. That's why he suggested it. So MG goes to the, um, he goes to where the necromancer is and the necromancer has, you know, he's killed Chad, the acolyte. He kills Goodfellow when he comes back to the pit. And then he says something about needing vampire's blood. And he asks Alyssa, did you secure us the vampire's blood? And of course, in comes MG with a knife, like he's about to fight the necromancer. He tells Alyssa, take my hand so I can get you out of here. And of course, they knock him out because this is the vampire whose blood they're going to use to raise Malivore from the pit because Alyssa tricked him. I was like, this bitch here. <laughs> and let me tell you. But she's good though. Yeah, briefly, good. she's good. We mentioned this briefly in the last episode. And in this episode, it became more evident. The necromancer needs to watch his back. Because Hell yeah. he really thinks that he's going to be, he's going to enlist Alyssa help to raise Malivore, to raise the monsters from Malivore so that he can, uh, you know, kind of control them. He has another thing coming because Alyssa is totally going to okie doke. 
him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she's exactly the one to control Malivore. she's going to be the one to control the Malivore monsters she's probably going to end up controlling the necromancer and then she's going to set them she's going to sit them all on the um salvatore school because she's still pissed yeah i know no i i agree with you 100 i think that if if he isn't causing it the fact that she's going to backstab him he should at least expect it you know not expecting it i mean think about it the whole time that they're together she is pretty much running the whole show like he's trying to make it seem like he's in charge and she pulls up with the whole thing where you're supposed to be interviewing me to be your acolyte but i'm interviewing you too i need to if i want to work with you and he tells her about his diabolical plan and she's just like that's it he was like you can't even grasp the scope of my plan and she's like one blah 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 two blah 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 three blah 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 four blah 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 he's like oh yeah that is it and it's just kind of like yeah dude if you can't see that she's the one that's in control of this situation here you are not as smart as you think sir and but i love her so much i really like, she's I supposed to be she's supposed to be this show's version of Catherine. i think well if if she is she's doing a good job even though even though i don't think uh how can i put it this way i don't think that she's gonna get to the nastiness of Catherine, but i think she's giving her a run for her money yeah i mean one she's not as old as Catherine. Catherine no, had 500 no. over 500 years to perfect that she also had 500 years of being on the run having her whole family slaughtered um having her daughter taken away from her i mean Catherine went through a whole bunch of shit to get to where she was now i didn't like her character too much either she got on my nerves after a while because it was just kind of like okay dude just kind of let let this go it's been 500 years. That's a long time mm. to hold a grudge. But mm. my daughters absolutely love her. She's like the favorite, their favorite character on Vampire Diaries. But yeah, I kind of, I kind of see Alyssa being the Catherine of this show. And I think, but I don't, I don't think she's gonna, I don't think she's gonna be as successful as Catherine. Mm-hmm. 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 You know, because her whole motivation is just revenge you know revenge for the way they treated her revenge for the fact that Josie killed her even though yes Josie was not quite in control still Josie did kill her so I can understand her anger but she's not doing this for any other reason she's not doing it for love she's not doing it for family she's not doing it for anything else except for revenge so I don't think she's going to be anywhere near as successful as Catherine was but okay, that doesn't mean she's that. not going to do any damage along the way because she is. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I yeah. And then also, you know, she and the necromancer summoned the oracle, and the oracle did tell them that their plans will succeed, but also that one student will die. So now we yeah. got to figure out who's going to die. Yeah. See, whenever he shows up, you got to watch it because if you paid attention. He didn't really answer their question the way that they asked him to answer the question. He, he never does. This is true. This you is know, true. He, yeah, yeah. He, did, he didn't, he, he gave them an answer, but if you looked at it, it's like, that's not what they asked you. They asked you this. But he also, you have to remember, he's sort of pissed off because they, they killed him. 
So, you know, he's still upset about that. And it's not within the realm of a possibility because oracles, uh, even though they're supposed to just do one thing, oracles can really screw with you. I'm bringing out Percy Jackson for this one and mm-hmm. The Lightning Thief and the whole Rick Redire and the Percy Jackson series, especially the first book slash movie. The oracle really screwed them because the oracle told them exactly what it was but the Oracle didn't finish the prophecy, which is why Percy and all of them got screwed up. Mm-hmm. Same thing with this. What the Oracle said, take about half of what was true, throw <laughs> the other half out, and you might be okay. Right. But, uh... but I now now the, the thing is is that with with MG, I like MG, I really do, but I need for him to grow up a little bit more. I mean, his acting is awesome. I think he's very, very cute when it comes to the whole, you know, I'm this kid that's, that everyone loves and I'm going to be a uh, comic relief and stuff. But I think that sometimes they depend on the, on MG a little too much. I think that I, w- I don't want to say they give him too much responsibility, but they always seem to find every through every few episodes to make him more of a focal point than I think he needs to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I don't I don't really see a problem with that because I think when they make him the focal point, I think what they're doing is showing us the different strengths of each individual character okay. and okay. how that's going to come how that's going to be in play when they have to team up to do things together. Again, they're talking about releasing Malivore. They're talking about releasing all of the monsters from the Malivore pit. So we know that there's going to be some fights coming along. We know that the squad is going to have to rely on each other. They're, they're going to have to rely on each other. They're going to have to um, do what's necessary to defeat Malivore and, and these monsters and possibly Alyssa and possibly the Necromancer. So we can't always expect for Hope to do it by herself, even though, yes, she's supposed to be the star of the show. She's supposed to be the main focus. What we've learned in the last two ep- uh, the last two seasons is that it's not just about Hope. She can't do all of this by herself. Mm-hmm. She has mm-hmm. to have friends that she can count on. She has to have a support system. She has to have that reliability. And I think she's going to get it in these friends of hers, but we also have to see what it is about each of these friends that make them special, that make them stand out and what make them important to this group. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they do when they give us these individual um, episodes where they focus on people because yes, MG, he does come off as the comic relief sometimes, but also he, again, he has one of the strongest personalities and one of the strongest hearts in the whole group you know the -hmm. last episode with Raphael he was one of the main ones that was like yo we need to figure out how to fix this we need to figure out how to keep him alive we can't just let him go even when they had the the little party at the end and Raphael was like yo y'all we're supposed to be partying we're supposed to be having fun this is not supposed to be a funeral MG was like man we're trying but this is hard like we don't want to sit here and laugh 
knowing that you're not going to be here in a few hours. Like he, he really feels everything deeply and they need that kind of person in their group. Yeah, they do. They do. It's just that I feel that sometimes, and this is just my personal preference. I feel as if sometimes when you get everyone besides Landon in the scene, they're really sort of seeing who can jockey for position and be the second male lead. It's like, make your mind up. We already know who that is. It's, it's pretty much Caleb. Well, yeah, but again, yes, but at the same time, Caleb really doesn't get a lot of screen time except when they're in a group scene. Hmm. I, I, I'm basing this off of last season and a little bit of first season here. Yeah. It's not that I don't like MG. I do like MG. I just think that uh, sometimes with MG, I get a little tired of him a little bit. It's not that I don't like the actor. I just, sometimes there's a little bit too much MG in an episode for me. Okay. The only issue that I have as far as MG's character, again, is like I say, they make him they make him a character who feels like his self-worth is dependent on what other people think of him. Yeah, that's a, that's that's my Especially problem. Especially Lizzie, like I really I really 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 don't want them to push the whole Lizzie and MG thing into them being a couple. I really do not want to see that. That yeah. Yeah. Because I can and I can actually saw, see that. Yeah, no, because we saw him pine after her for two seasons. Seasons, yeah. She didn't give a fuck about him. And now, now she's all nice to him. Yes. And I understand that's part of Lizzie's growth. You know, is her being a better friend to her friends. That's fine. Let it stay there. Don't put MG into that relationship because that's gonna be just a toxic relationship is going to be very unbalanced is going to be very uneven and i'm sorry his character deserves better than that he deserves better than somebody like Alyssa chain too who is only using him to get what she wants which is revenge to the school no find mg someone fresh now i do i did remember seeing that i believe that was earlier this season where he was on a video call with kim caleb's sister that was last season. Or is, it, or is it this season? I See, that's why I don't remember. I don't remember if it was like the first episode of this season or if it was something last season. I think but, it was last season because I don't recall any... Don't quote me. I could be wrong. I think, you You know what? I don't know. I'm not going to say whether you're right, I'm right. I, I, don't, I can't remember. But, but it was Kim. Yeah. But, you know, if, if you got to pursue him with a relationship with somebody, I, I could deal with Kim. Although Caleb might have something to say about it because like he says, he's like, yo, that's my sister. You are my brother. I want my family tree to have branches. I can understand that. But MG is not your blood brother. And your sister's a good woman. You know, MG is a good guy. Just let, just let them see where that's going to go. Don't keep pushing him towards Lizzie because if you are a good friend, you will not push him towards toxicity. And I like Lizzie as a character. I do not think she would be a good girlfriend to MG. Also, stop trying to put Lizzie with men because literally they're doing the same thing with her that they did with Caroline as far as she's always chasing after a guy to try to feel like that's her self-worth. No, 
she is more important than that. She can be a bigger character than that. Right now, she's focusing on her mental health and on becoming a better character. Let her focus on that. Let us see the growth of her character through that. Don't keep trying to push us on these other guys and these, no, leave her. She don't need a man right now. She needs to focus on herself to be a better person and she does not need a man to do that. Yeah, because that didn't work exactly out for her mother a few times either. It didn't work out for her either. Think about um, what was the dude's name from last uh, last season, Sebastian? Yes, exactly. Yes, no, exactly. Yeah. Work, no. Yeah. No. They they need to they they need to write these characters where they don't need to like you said have a boyfriend slash girlfriend. They, right. they sometimes. It, I, I, yeah, I had a, I had a family friend ask me a question a while ago about something like this. And I actually made them mad. I said, that person needs a friend more than they need a boyfriend. And they got mad at me when I said that, but I sat down and I said, okay, look, I said, if you've got somebody that's going through something or you know that they need to get their head right, do you really want them to be in a relationship to add to the mental stress that are already under? No, you don't want that. You want them to have friends if they want to get into a romantic relationship that's fine but actually make sure that they are ready to go into something like that instead of trying to do both at the same time and that's what and we I, have here and the and same I, thing with Josie too Josie doesn't need to be with anybody either uh -uh. but the other thing is that's all the vampire diaries was mm -hmm. about all these relationships uh romantic relationships sexual relationships and how codependent they were and how toxic the relationships were. Even the friendships to some point. Yes, uh, Bonnie and, and Damon were supposed to be quote unquote best friends. But did you see how toxic that friendship Girl, was? Girl, if he called, look. So okay, yep. we don't need that in this show. Let's if, go a different direction. Exactly. Make these kids, Ooh. make these kids strong characters. Better characters better characters who can stand on their own oh, mm -hmm. and who have these great friendships yes and that's where the strength of their you know whatever comes should, from. should come they from have to always be in relationships just like this whole little thing with Josie and this girl who we didn't even remember from remember last. yeah yeah understand yeah give Josie another relationship that's fine I don't I don't care about all that Josie got yeah. stuff to deal with. She just literally went through a period in her time where she was infused with dark magic. She killed a classmate and tried to kill her sister. A relationship is not what she needs right now. Nope, nope, nope. nope. Alarm yeah. does not yeah. need to be in a relationship or pursuing a relationship because no daughters who needs him. He's been absent enough trying to worry about the school and worry about all this other stuff. Focus on your children. Focus on this school, this school that has been through hell and back in the last couple of years. Stop trying to make this show about relationships they don't need to be in relationships i agree 100 and, and not, not only I mean, think about it you guys just did a musical about a woman who couldn't choose between two brothers and we see how crazy that all turned out Take all i'm saying from that all i'm saying is that when you come down to it they need to if they're going to have any relationship in the show and the one and I'm talking about the hope and landed relationship, 
I believe that even that needs to sort of push it down a little bit, kind of back off. I mean, they can still be boyfriend and girlfriend, but I mean, they literally broke up with each other because he's now human. I mean, come on, really? I mean, they went through the whole thing. Technically speaking, they didn't even break up and Landon says, and he was like, I didn't walk away from the relationship. I just walked away from that conversation. Conversation, right. And she went to the, the, uh, she, yeah. They're teenagers. This is what they do, but this is not what they need to be worried about, right? No, no, no. But I will say this. Literal monsters coming after you. You don't need to worry about a boyfriend right. or girlfriend right now. Right. I don't worry about I, staying alive. You have a friend who is stuck in a prison world because if he comes back to the real world, he's going to die. Gonna die. You guys right. need to be focused on fixing that. Now, now the thing that I actually enjoyed uh, about the whole musical part is that the fact that they had some cute lines, like there's a line in the opening song where they're literally saying, we've got Founders Day, we've got Miss Mystic Falls, we got the Decade Dance, we got Founders Frontier Delivery Disposal Day. I mean, they went through the whole thing. <laughs> that was so funny. It was brilliantly done. And, and then each song, what I have to give them the credit, each song that they did, especially the Hello Brother, which was just genius, they literally compressed and hit every major single point of the Vampire Diaries without shoving it in your face. Mm-hmm. And then that last part where they had this thing where Hope had to come in and they were showing her as a little girl with her father as uh, Robin playing Klaus. And the fact that they just, I mean, they, they literally, literally. I they even wrapped up part of the originals in this one. If you think about it, yes, I did. <laughs> they 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 did such. Whoever sat down and actually wrote these songs and actually put this stuff in, did they did such a wonderful job? Because if you have never seen an episode of this show and you're just oh let me watch it, let me see what's going on, you can literally watch this episode, especially the musical part, and not have to waste how many hours. You're right. 216 right. episodes mm-hmm. you know what I mean? right right it, it was it, good it was, a, it was a lot of fun to watch though it was hysterical I, but they I moved it forward a lot it. though i'm sorry they moved it forward a lot too they moved the plot they forward, did I think, yeah they did. i was kind of worried about it at first because of course sometimes with musical episodes they can get kind of cheesy they can get you know, cringy. They can get like, oh my God, why are they putting that in? But this one was really well done. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and it was fun. It was fun seeing the Mystic Falls characters, I guess you could say through fresh eyes, you know, mm-hmm. being the, the kids of the Salvatore school, seeing, you know, I guess whatever research they had to do for these characters or Landon had to do for these characters to kind of see them from those eyes and then to see how they interpret those characters. Like I said, Caleb and Jed were perfect as Damon and, and Stefan. And even when they did the, um, even when they did the, the song, the second song about Elena, that song. Ah, 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 ah. Oh my oh. God. <laughs> oh my god oh my god oh my god oh i was sitting there watching that with my hands over my eyes like oh my god no they didn't no they didn't yes they did they put all of this in the song oh my god but it worked it was so brilliant like and i was sitting there like damon no you're not gonna go after your brother's girl and i'm sitting here like wait 
this already happened. Why am I acting like this hasn't happened yet? You were actually on the edge of your seat and you were going, oh, are they going to go? To- oh, no, don't. I, like I said, they it literally, yeah, I, you, you and I have watched, as people could probably tell, we've watched Vampire Diaries and Originals multiple times. Right. Okay, so for us, we get excited about little small stuff, you know. But it was so well done, and and the, oh my god, I I was actually upset about this episode because I didn't feel I got enough of the musical because they were giving me so much feels and nostalgia. It was very nostalgic. It was it was fun. It was a lot of fun watching this episode, and. Like I said, when I first heard they were doing a musical episode, I was like, ah, I don't know how I'm going to like it. I think it was a lot of fun. It was a yeah. lot of fun. And again, we I always say this with, with um, episodes like this in the middle of shows that usually have like dark content. Mm-hmm. I felt like they had to give us this lighthearted episode because I have a feeling from next episode on, we're probably in for a whole bunch of shit. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think that we're going to get this thing where we need uh, a palate cleanser, which is what this was. But I also think that it was a good reset because things were sort of out of sync after the first episode. Second episode, obviously. One of the better things about the Vampire Diaries originals, the whole Julie Pleck thing, is that Julie Pleck always resets it to the point where you can continue on and enjoy it. I mean, the, the seasons two and three of the originals, I have to admit, I, I had some issues. And until they reset certain things, I enjoyed it better afterward. Mm, okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. But again, I have a feeling now since this this episode is over and done with, now we're about to get into the whole Malivore, whatever, wherever they're taking this storyline with the Malivore pit. I think we're about to get into it deep now. Mm -hmm. And like we said in the last episode, I just really kind of want them to wrap up this part of the storyline because you can have, you know, your big bad that lasts for a couple of seasons and it works sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, Klaus was a perfect example of that on the Vampire Diaries. Like Klaus was so great as a villain that he ended up getting his own show. And then we got to see a little bit more exploration of that character. That was fine. That, was, that wasn't overdone. Um, I don't want to get tired of the show. And I feel like if they continue on with the Malivore thing without a resolution, that's going to start to irk me. Like, well, yeah. About how bad Malivore is. And for a season now, a whole season, and now we just kind of actually know for two seasons now, because we started last season with Hope having come back from the pit and nobody remembering her. So, yes, we've been dealing with this since season one. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. See, Let's uh, uh, what's yeah. going on with this yeah. Malibor pit. Right, right. If Landon still has something to do with this pit, let's go ahead and get that storyline done and move on. Let's get it resolved and let's move on to something else. Yeah, and you're, yeah, no, I, I agree with you because see, the, the problem that they have is that for the first season, I didn't like Legacies at all. And it was only after I binge watched the entire first season and gave it a check, a, uh, can't talk, second shot season two that I started to like it because the first season was so boring and so 
just one note that it it took season two to get me to go, okay, I love it now. Okay, I got you. Oh, one thing we didn't mention about the musical, and then I think we've pretty much covered it all. And I thought about you when this happened. Doppelgangers! Oh my God, that was so good! That was so good! Doppelganger, doppelganger! (laughs) They they did, they they just, they, they did such an amazing job with it. And like I said, it was so cute. And then the thing that I liked is that they knew they were making fun of themselves and they knew that old school fans would just be geeking out. But those kids, each and every one of them shined. They did. They had, they did a really good job. They did a really good job. They made what could have been a cringe filled episode. They made it very enjoyable and fun to watch. And um, they looked like they were having fun with it too. You know, I don't they know did. how familiar all of them are because, you know, even though they're associated with the show and the show is based on that first show, that doesn't necessarily mean that they were fans of the show. They may not have That's even true. watched the original show, but whatever it was that they did, whether they were fans or not, or whether they just watched it to prepare for this show, they had to have really, they got it. Because like I said, they really felt like, copies of the characters like mm-hmm. they channeled them perfectly mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. as a parody which this is kind of supposed supposed to be they they did it perfectly and again Caleb as Damon was everything Jed as Stefan was everything those two characters those were the best in the whole musical I could have watched the whole musical with just them two. Oh yeah oh definitely it Definitely. Would be great. Like I said, if they do a Vampire Diaries reboot, those two characters, those they have to. They have to. Plan. Because now I'm not going to see anything else. In my head. <laughs> it was just great. They were- I, yeah, it was. It was. A, it was an awesome episode. It, it makes me really happy because, like I said, the, season two finally clicked with me. Season three, because I, I like to watch certain shows all at once. Uh, me watching this weekly is different because I literally watched the first two seasons on Netflix and just binged through. Gotcha. So this is this is different for me, but I'm enjoying it. Okay. Yep. Well, I think we have exhausted everything about the musical. I think overall we both enjoyed it a lot, mm-hmm. and I'm glad they did it. But now we're ready to move on and see what's what's coming up for the next uh, next few episodes. But for now, that's it for our show. You can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com. We are on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Fandom Hybrid. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time.